Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Ioan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. The Patriarchy. Just everything you think of with the patriarchy, except just slap some anarchy on it. <laughs> oh, patriarchy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh <laughs> So, um, we're here for another episode, another, uh, week driving through the book of revelation. And, uh, this week we are not doing uh, a preambling, uh, will not be interrupted for preambling because as I've warned previously, uh, our listeners, we're going to start driving forward a little bit here and getting some, uh, episodes in the can, uh, just because summer happens, we end up. You know, trips happen, uh, vacations, wanting to hang out with your kids. Stuff happens in the summer. And so we just want to get ahead, uh, fill up our episode tank, and then, uh, you know, we'll be done for a while. And then uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, so we're, we're getting back into the book of Revelation, but we are starting a new chapter this week. Um, and... Uh, I very optimistically had originally written in our notes that we could do five verses, um, <laughs> probably more likely two. Um, so we're going to be uh, digging into that uh, shortly. Um, so uh, let's pull that up once again, as is our way. We want to make sure it's on the screens so that we're keeping an eye on it. And uh, there we are. There we go. Hello. Hello, men. Scripture reading men. We're men, Bible men. <laughs> it's a very, very poor uh, rendition of uh, of Robin Hood. Um, so uh, we're gonna get into we're gonna read we're gonna read chapter four again. Um, but I'm gonna keep reading this time. This is something we haven't done yet. We keep reading. We're gonna go right into chapter five. Um, because these two visions go together. They follow after each other. Uh, we ended last episode saying that there is a, a nice break at the end. Um, it, it kind of forms kind of a half break. So the vision continues, or the scene continues, but it's kind of like a sub-scene. You know, like like a new cast of characters walks on. The, 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 the curtain hasn't closed, but, uh, the, but they've moved on to a new section of the scene. So... We'll read through that, and then Brother Jeff will, as our as is right and is our habit, uh, he will read for us or pray for us. Sorry, and then we will get into it. So, um, oop, let me over there. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to be like a trumpet, said, "Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this." At once I was in the spirit, and behold, the throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the throne were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments and with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. 
And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to God. be to God. He who has ears here with the Spirit says to the churches. Brother Jeff. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see wondrous things in your law. We know that um, that the uh, mindset on the flesh does not see the things of God. Um, we know that uh, uh, the the natural man doesn't uh, doesn't receive the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned, um, uh, and. So, Lord, we, we pray that we would not be as those who seeing they see not, who hearing they hear not, but that, we would, uh, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, um, uh, drill an ear hole for us, as, as, as the psalmist says, um, so, that we, so that we may uh, both see and hear. And we pray, Lord, that we would not stop there, but become doers of your word that we would, as we, as we emphasized it at the end of our last session, um, to, uh, to worship, to be faithful, to, um, to be faithful, to come before you in worship, first of all, before, uh, before any other application. Um, Lord, we pray that you would be uh, merciful on us for our many sins. Um, uh, for our many failures in in our uh, in our pursuit of uh, of you and of the things of your word, um, and um, Lord, we we pray that you would help us to open our eyes um, to this word we have more sure than even the, 
the very transfiguration of your son in glory um, before our, our very physical eyes, this, this, this word of prophecy that we have received. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, to your glory and for our benefit. Amen. All right. Uh, so um, we're digging in. Uh, let's do some first, of course, as we do review. Um, so there's a behold a door into heaven, uh, open, standing open in heaven. So there's a voice, and it's the voice of Jesus, as connecting back to the first uh, vision. It says, "Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this." So he's in the spirit, looks into the throne room of heaven, sees the throne, the one sitting there with the appearance of Jasper, Carnelian, etc. And then he sees all around the throne twenty-four smaller thrones, sub sub thrones. Twenty-four being the number of the people of God, and the people sitting on that are presbyters, elders, which is a a role for the the pastor or the leaders of the church this is ecclesiological and then again another church reference in the seven uh torches of fire which the spirit seven spirits of god or the sevenfold spirit of god is in that and so the spirit brings the church together makes it the church um and they're sitting around the throne where there's flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder which comes from the the imagery of of the the, the mountain of mount zion and um and the Sea of Glass, which has temple ex, um, implications. Um, and then you got the four living creatures who have been kind of uh, significant. Um, they're, they're significant because they are references to both Isaiah 6 and Ezekiel 1, which there's a fusion of images going on there, um, which which we should get used to that. That's, that's part of the creativity of Apocalypse. And we're going to have another fusion of images in in our passage for this week um so there's they're full of eyes in front of behind in fact there's eyes on their wings eyes inside their wings eyes all around to see everything the omniscience knowing uh and then they're all each of them has the head of a different animal of the all of the creatures of the earth except for the the birds which is we've been talking about water symbol of chaos so of course there's not going to be any fish sorry i said birds but it fish is what i meant uh there's no fish there um and they uh cry out day and night never cease to cry holy 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 is the lord god almighty trisagion the lord the god the pantocrator the ever-living one who was and is and is to come and then it says and when the living creatures will give glory we talked about how that's a that's actually a future tense because uh, there, there might be some aspectival things going on in the story. When they give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. This, these two are going to be important phrases um, going, at, going on in the story. Uh, the 24 elders from above, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne, fall down and worship him who lives forever and ever. Once again, seated on the throne, lives forever and ever. Then you've got the, they fall down and worship. And we pointed out in our last episode, those are important phrases in combination for royal worship of kings. And uh, there's especially important, um, that importantly apply, applies to God alone in this book. Um, 
Um, and so they they fall down and worship him. There's this prostration before him, and and royal uh, uh, worship, giving worth worship. And then they cast their crowns before the throne. And we remember they have crowns before from sec chapters two and three. That's the symbol of overcoming, of of conquering with the conqueror Jesus. And when they cast their crowns, which are also symbols of power, of course, and and uh, um, uh, and authority, they cast them down. Imagery from uh, lesser kings throwing their offering their crowns to conquering kings or to a, a greater emperor over them. And they likewise have a chant and say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For what reason? Why? Because or for you created all things. By your will, they were, they existed, and were created. By your will, all things are. This brought to the end the first half of this um, of this scene, looking into heaven. And yet, now, we are going to have a problem. Before we get to the problem, we need to look at the object around which the problem revolves. So we're looking to specifically the first two verses today, uh, this week. And uh, and so let's look at that. So turn that off. Uh, zoom in. This. So Revelation five one and two. And I saw upon the hand, or you know, in the hand, upon the hand. Though this this where I'm gonna I'm going to translate that very literally for a second, because and, and we'll we'll talk about why it's important to uh, to not overinterpret right away not that i'm just saying i'm going to leave it at upon the hand but let's leave it at upon the hand for now so again we'll talk about this and upon the hand of the one sitting upon the throne to kathe menoi the one sitting upon the throne biblion a book or a scroll uh having been written uh, Esothen within Kaiopisen and on the back and behind. Within and behind. Uh, having been sealed with seals seven. Having been sealed, seven seals. And I saw an angel, a strong angel, a mighty angel. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming. So there's some. We've talked about how there's mixed metaphors is a, is a common theme in a, an apocalyptic genre. And I saw uh, a mighty angel preach, uh, proclaiming or preaching. Kerygma is the word for for for, for preaching the prof the, the the preaching of the church in a great voice. Who is worthy? We saw the last chapter ended with worthy are you our Lord and God because he created all things. But now the angel is asking who is worthy? The one sitting upon the throne is holding the scroll asking who is worthy? We're looking for another worthy one. To open the book to open the book I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interpreting yet. I'm trying to keep this very literal for a second. To open the book 
and Lucy to loose the seals of it. So this is the question. This is an object that's sitting upon his hand or in his hand. Not over-interpreting that yet. Um, and it's a book or could also be translated scroll. And there's debate about that. <laughs> about what it could be. But first, of course, like the end I saw thing is is a uh, is a very is 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 this is um an important vision statement moving on to a new aspect of the vision so in in one sense chapters four and five go together in another sense we've got a new aspect of the vision and i saw what does he see there's the one sitting on the throne and in his right hand upon his right hand there is a book um and uh the the reason i'm saying upon could be going either in or or upon is there there is a sense in which upon doesn't have to be translated super literally it can just mean upon the hand in the sense that you know he's holding the hand he's holding it in his hand so it's upon his palm in his hand or it could actually be upon his hand. It really depends on how we want to translate that word biblion. Do we want to translate it as the ESV does, a scroll or a book? And part of what makes this it, it, it could just we could just be arguing semantics. Okay, that's one argument. Could be semantics. Who cares if it's a scroll, if it's a book? Who cares? What, what does it matter? Or it could be that this is significant um, for how we're supposed to picture it. Um, so you've got this scroll imagery, um, this book imagery. So, so but by which we mean a scroll, there are kind of two ways to communicate written language in those days you've got scrolls and codices a codex is is very similar to what we now have you know a, a book a binding well well known as this is, this is a codex there's it's not going to be as tightly bound as as we do um today but it's it's papers folded over and bound into a codex um in fact as we've talked about um um Textual variance and textual criticism. Um, you'll see there's there's certain books that we will go to with collections of writings, maybe even full New Testament writings, um, such as the Codex Vaticanus, which is named after where it was, uh, where where it's kept, and where it was found. That it was found in the Vatican, in, in the the uh, libraries of the Vatican. You also got Codex Sinaiticus, <clears throat> named after where again where they're found. You know, Codex. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's a few others. Um, Dese Cantabrigiensis, which is to say oh. that it was a Codex of Theodore Beza's that ended up in Cambridge. <laughs> That's my favorite one, name-wise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so you've got. Um, yeah, like the, the the West, the let's see that the the Western idea of a book is is very much just 
And yet, of course, that was um, not the most common way to send things because, of course, as you might expect, uh, in a day before print type and uh, fast, um, which which is a relative term to the way presses even work today, but fast press print type, um, we're looking at most communication happening through scrolls. Which is where you'll you'll hear things like the papyri, which are kind of partial, like pieces of paper, um, probably from partial scrolls. Sometimes they're part of it is ripped off, and and uh, and so biblion can refer to both. It can refer to a codex, or it can refer to a book, um, which largely relates to how we understand the seals working. So they were sealed with seven seals. This can go kind of two ways. So you, the, the first most obvious reference you, you can picture, if it's a scroll, so picture a scroll and seven seals side by side. So these seven seals are to keep it tightly wound. So the problem with that, as often as pointed out, is well, you break seven seals. If you break one seal, you still don't see anything. <laughs> you don't see anything in the scroll until you've broken right. all seven. Right. Uh, so this would mean breaking a seal would really not do anything. Um, uh Whereas breaking a seal on a codex would have more of a progressive opening more and more of the codex sort sort of of feel to it. And so that's kind of the argument often seen for the codex argument is like, well, you break break two seals on a scroll, what do you what do you got? You still got nothing. Um but I think there's a couple pretty strong arguments for even so still seeing it as um, as a scroll. And those pretty good arguments come from uh, what is probably the Old Testament background behind this passage. Um, as well as uh, another reason, which I'll, we'll come back to after we've, we've, we've taken a look at them. So we're going to take a look at these uh, Old Testament passages that reference these scrolls. So we're going to zoom out and go back to this page. And actually, I remember I, I set this up, didn't I? Did I do it? Did I do it? I did do it. There it is. Moving us over to the other side of the screen so we can take a look at the so, texts. Because we have this we have this very niche fan theory um, that, uh, um, that Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelation are all set in the same universe. This, huh. this niche fan theory we have. Yeah, it's the shared universe yeah. theory of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> headcanon confirmed, maybe? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll uh, see. We'll see. <laughs> yes, this uncommon belief of the agreement of Scripture. Uh, <laughs> so... So you've got kind of like, there's sort of three passages that really bring up this idea of a scroll. Um, the first one uh, would be 
the and, and, and we're going chronologically first. Um, we might, you know, have to move backwards and forwards um, a little bit, but um, yeah. So, so let's start with this. So you've got um, Isaiah twenty nine. It starts with there's a sea, the siege of Jerusalem. So it's referring to um, a prophecy of the siege of Jerusalem, and then right down in the middle you have a uh, kind of a sh uh, this this paragraphic form in the midst of poetic prophecy. Um, so, and, and it reads like this: twenty nine eleven. And the vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. There is a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, read this, he says, it cannot, I cannot, for it is sealed. When they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read. So, you give there's it's interesting what's going on here this 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 uh he give it to one who can read you say read this his his response is well it's sealed give it to the one who can't read he says i can't read well how can i how can i read this if i don't read it um this is definitely following that concept that we've we've seen come up again and again in revelation of this those who have ears to hear or those hearing they cannot hear seeing they cannot see this is following this theme of, of isaiah that the people that his message his prophecy is for people who have eyes to see not for those who don't have eyes to see the ears to hear not those who are are dumb and deaf and and uh and cannot see like the idols they're worshiping and yet there's an additional thing added to this verse that even those with eyes to see those who can read there's a ceiling going on right i cannot read this even though i could read i have eyes to read but there is a i cannot for it is sealed so now's maybe a good time to even start with saying so what does that mean seal what does sealing do what does that mean Yeah, it, it, a, a, a seal means uh, that only an authorized person can open it. So, so the, the purpose of sealing was not... Um, the power of a seal was not in physical security or it's not a combination lock. It's not a, it's not a puzzle. Um, it's, um, so the, the, the power of sealing was in the authority of the one who did the sealing. Yeah. So if, if a, a letter or a scroll or a book were to make it to its intended recipient and the seals had been opened, before it got to its intended recipient, then the messengers responsible for delivering it are, yeah. are going to have to face the wrath of the person who did the sealing. Yeah. That's, that's the power of a seal. So, and the seal, the seal authenticates to the recipient that they are the first person who has received it. They're the first person who's read this. Yeah. Um, 
So, so a ceiling is an is is an authorized readers only, mm-hmm. right? Um, versus um, so so stealing is about authority versus reading, which is about wisdom and ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have basically in this passage, you have two ways of being disqualified from reading what's in the book. It's it's lacking the authority or lacking the ability. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's the yeah, and and the the, the of course we, we see this sealing in the context of um covenantal seals is often how it's talked about in theological circles like circumcision was a seal of the old covenant um whereas in the new testament and this is kind of a debate between the beta baptist and the credo baptist but one thing uh one of the seals the most important seal of the new covenant is the holy spirit is the seal and that kind of um is a stamp of of belonging that this letter belongs to the person who sealed it. Um, but also like, as right. you say, like when you put your seal on a letter, that is a way to know that it hasn't been opened before it gets to the, to the intended recipient. Um, and, and yeah, like, so the question of, of, or like, or like sealing a person, the, the, is so, so say like it hasn't been tampered with. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It is able, able to, safely reach its destination without tampering that's that's i think the force of stealing a person yeah and 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 that's where you know we're seeing already like so so there's authority attached to it there is a, a worthiness and an authority attached to um to this oh ouch oh patrick uh patrick says i get sad too when i can't read my book either yes that's that's what the weeping happens um and of course we know Mm -hmm. what happens with an unsealing you're missing your roof it's too late for this brother it's too late for this Uh, but but there there is this this the seal yeah a sealing is attached to authority to open the seal so already we're seeing kind of parallels to this um, passage in front of us um, do you have more to say on this passage or or do you want to move to the next one yeah I think I think I kind of covered what I wanted to say yeah. about this yeah um so and then. The next one. I guess, I guess I would just add that apparently, I will remind everyone again that I flunked you, but <laughs> apparently you. Okay, so I guess there are two things that I also jotted down about this. Um, uh, apparently, according to those who can read Hebrew, um, it the I. Uh, uh, Instead of read, it can also be just it, it, the the sense is also 
the one who knows who knows a scroll, who knows so so that that's a that's a way of saying someone who knows how to read, but it also could it also is just is just like um yeah someone who has knowledge of the scroll could be could be a uh sort of a, a another flavor of of meaning there is so it's it's almost certainly ability to read that's in view but maybe there's maybe there's some knowledge of of the scroll knowledge of the which which is part of why i said like wisdom it's knowledge of the the contents or knowledge of the it, it's possible possible not um in my opinion not quite so like the other thing is and this might be relevant in revelation is to you this vision is like words sealed in a scroll in a in a sealed scroll um yeah. and and in uh and and the idea is there there's there's some debate in Isaiah but it it sure seems as though the vision that's being discussed is the entire book of Isaiah and all the prophecies that that represents yeah um and and so then carrying that into our text this is this could be very similar I think I think John is intentionally going very similar here where this is this entire book of Revelation and all the prophecies it contains, which is to say all of God's plans for humanity and the future. More or less. Like and 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 that's also by the by the significance, I think, of it being written front and back. Well, we'll see. It's full. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, I know we're getting to more front and back, but, um, but I think, I think that's, I think he's picking up that image from, um, we'll see and, <laughs> and superimposing it here along, along with this, uh, along with this Isaiah reference, because, because it's, it's the fullness, the fullness of the book. The fullness of everything that God has in store um, uh, for history yeah. and his dealings with the world. So I think I think I think that's something that you pick up on Isaiah, but yeah, which I'm yeah. going to say is reinforced by some things we're also going. To, so yeah, sorry, and I did and have I'm going to I'm going to jump past Ezekiel and go to Daniel because it looks like there's commonality between the the, the Isaiah and this and yes. The, Daniel 12 these two are being kind of cycle uh this is again a com combined vision um to to equal out what we're seeing here and so it's it's combined with um and I remember we heard this uh when we took our time to spend time in Daniel a couple weeks ago 
Um, so you've got uh, Daniel 12, verses 4 and 9 are kind of the big things, but really it's a short enough chapter we can look over most of it. So you've got Michael the Great Prince. There shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen since there was a nation till that time. At that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood on one on this bank, stood one on this bank, the stream, one on the bank of the stream, uh, on that bank of the stream. Someone said, "The man clothed in linen, who is above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders?" And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time and times and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from that from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So there's again, you see that twice. These are set up, these are sealed until the time of the end. Yet one thing must be noticed is that they're both giving two different kinds of prophecies that are sealed up. Like, the, the Isaiah prophecy seems more judgment-oriented, but the Daniel prophecy seems more blessing-oriented. I think that's kind of interesting. That, that, and, and that is kind of getting into the first question, or the first go at the question of what is the book? What is the book that, that we're talking about? Um, and um, G.K. Beale gives a bunch of options of what he think of what people have thought the book could be well, and and uh two of them are Daniel, this debate between uh is it a is it a judgment scroll only or is it something more um to kind of break down the first division i guess you could say is it a judgment scroll only or is, is it more than that? Well, in Daniel's case, it is the opposite because it's the names that are found in the book are the ones who are saved mm -hmm. um, from judgment. Um, but then there's the... Um, there's the obvious other side of the coin because 
he says those who are wicked will go on being wicked still, which should remind you of something if you've been reading through to the end of this book, <laughs> the end of the book of Revelation, that is. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, a more extended iteration of this at the end of the book yeah. of Revelation. Let him who is filthy be filthy still. Let him who is righteous be righteous still. Let him who is holy be holy right. still. Yeah, um, absolutely. But you've got the, the shorter version of that here. So um, so I think that's a strong indication that these are, and by the by, for those who didn't know, Daniel only has 12 chapters. So this is the yeah. end of the book of Daniel. Yeah. And that's the end of the book of Revelation. So yes. I think that's a strong indication that we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think I think it is both. It's the book of judgment and blessing. It's yeah. the Daniel's focused on the on the book of life side, but it's yeah. it's it's the um, the book written on both sides with yeah. with judgment and blessing with all 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 of God's operations right. From here on out, are in the book. Yeah, and and from from that we kind of jump over to Ezekiel. Yes, the the third vision. And so you've got is Ezekiel's call in chapter two. And if you like, it was, remember who's Ezekiel was a priest who is called into the prophetic role. So he's a priest, a Zadokite priest, who is give who is taken out of his normal priestly role because he is accompanying the exiles uh, leaving Jerusalem. And in this, in this book, you have some of the most heart wrenching scenes of like watching the glory of God, leave the temple of, of God and, and just exiting. And it is heart wrenching, but the, in his call, it says, and he said unto me, and he said to me, son of man, son of man, son of man, see that somewhere mm, okay uh stand on your feet and i will speak with you and as he spoke to me the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and i heard him speaking to me and he said to me son of man i send you to the people of israel to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me they and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, and whether they hear or hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit upon sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold... A hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And this is this language, by the way, the scroll of a book that was in it. Um, there is some clear the, the the Greek of that passage of the LXX, the Septuagint, the Greek translation, um, has clear parallels to the the language uh, that we see over here. Um, I'm going to scroll down so that we can actually see it above our heads. Uh, yeah. Um, 
was I saw in the right hand. Oh, I, oh, you can't see it. I gotta move. I gotta move the screen over. Oh, it was such a good idea. Uh, in the right hand of him, there is kind of a common language going on as to this. Um, uh, if scroll of the book was in it. Um, and he spread it before me. Spread. Spread the scroll. And it had writing on the front and on the back. And there was written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And, and he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat the scroll. Go and speak to the house of Israel. So I had my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. Okay, and that's a whole bunch of other stuff. Important stuff for the book of Ezekiel. The big thing to see is this is a scroll in his hand. So, what does that mean for the problem of... Is it a codex well, or is it a scroll? Um, sorry. It seems to be indicating that it four, is a scroll. Because four through seven, um, uh, four through seven have a something similar to what we saw in Isaiah, where um, he contrasts not being able to make out each other's speech with um oh right three four through seven hard-hearted i'm sorry three three four through three four through yeah, seven. okay where yeah he contrasts being mutually unintelligible yeah with being um hard-hearted and unwilling to submit yeah. to the authority yeah yeah so you yeah. have a you have a. I, I I read that as being a similar set, yeah. and I wonder if there's some intertextuality between Ezekiel and Isaiah there. Yeah, that could um, be. As to, and I wonder if I wonder if maybe that helps us understand what. Yeah. The the two kinds of things that Isaiah is talking about. Yeah. Um. So the refusal to this is the other side of that coin. The refusal to yeah. submit to authority. The the um, the inability to um, understand the language. You have both. Yeah. And of course, Patrick points out words of woe, which that's going to come up in the book uh, of, of Revelation. Um, but like, but, but, but I think... Woe get, is true. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, jeez. Um, but, uh, <laughs> we, we go, we, we get back into the question of like, what is it? Is, is it a scroll or is it a codex? Um, it seems based on the, the parallel to Ezekiel and Ezekiel's talk is very much talking about a rolled up scroll. We're probably talking about a scroll. So the question then is, okay, but what about the, the seals? That's not how a scroll is sealed. You can't seal a scroll in multiple places. Well, let's remember, and this is the second thing that I said I was going to come back to. Let's once again remember, this is not meant to be taken absolutely literally. This is a prophetic vision. Yes, as the passage goes on, as they break each scroll, a different part, or each seal, the scroll becomes more of it is read. It doesn't have to make literal sense. That's not how apocalyptic literature works. 
That's like saying, seeing, uh, I had a friend who wrote a, a poem comparing the sun to a flower. You know, he was playing on the words, the sun rose. Yeah, get it? But it's like saying, but the sun isn't a flower. Of course it's not. That's how poetry works. <laughs> poetry isn't meant to be taken literally. It's the same thing with the metaphors of apocalyptic. They're not meant to be like, oh, but this all doesn't make sense. Because you know what else doesn't make sense? Um, as we go along, the prophet, the, the, the 12 elders, or the 24 elders, are going to be found to have both a harp and a bowl of... Uh, a, a bowl of, 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 of incense. You can't have a bowl of incense and a harp in your hand at the same time. Because it's all metaphor. That's not, that's how it, you're not supposed to understand it as being strictly literal. That's not how apocalyptic literature works. Again, we need to understand how the words literal mean. Uh, we, we, we hear literal and we think... Um, and again, I've made this point before that... Even the most literal literalist in the book of Revelation doesn't actually believe a seven-headed monster is going to come out of the sea. They understand that to be a metaphor for a one-world government. So, okay, we are, okay, we've acknowledged. We're not going to take everything literally, literally. The metaphors can be uh, mixed. And in fact, that is part of the creativity of the genre. So, Yes, the seven seals means so let's let's go let's get back to then the metaphorical way of understanding this. So what does the number seven mean? What does this number seven refer to? Completeness, fullness. Yeah. Seven days in a week. Perfect. Yeah. It's the completeness. Seven and ten both tend to be numbers of completeness right. because there's seven days in a week in the days that God created the world and ten fingers, ten toes. You got your complete hands and toes. You got that. That's that's ten. Ten is completeness. Um, the ten one is not hard for us to understand because we have a ten-based numeric system, so we can say, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all based on tens. But but that's that's what those numbers represent. It is completely sealed. That's the point. In fact, for that reason, the uh, French Revolution tried to give us a 10-day week so they would match, and it failed utterly. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it was intended by God. Um, <laughs> uh, so, But it's sealed, having been sealed with seven seals. So this is completely sealed. The breaking of the seals... Um, it, it doesn't have to be this, like you can picture it in your mind, like, like, you know, you, I picture it like maybe he's sealed one part and it's like, it's like when you, when you rip the toilet paper roll and it doesn't come off cleanly. And so part of it starts rolling and then eventually it becomes part the full roll. No, you don't have to picture something like that. Seven seals completely sealed with each breaking of the seal. Part of the message gets revealed. Don't overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> so we took a long walk to come back to this conclusion of don't overthink it. This is apocalyptic literature. Let all the metaphors run together and just sort of let it be. Um, but the real question and the real uh, puzzler that we want to get to before we start answering this question, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals, which on David on a, or uh, 
David Onay? Yes, David Onay. Um, points out these are equivalent sayings. These are synonymous sayings. To open Correct. the book and to loose the seal. It's not like saying you open it and then you start loosing seals. It's to open the book by loosing the seals. In fact, that's I believe that's his translation in the word biblical commentary. He translates it to open the book by breaking its seal. Um, so, so what is the book is the question. Um, and there are various theories about this often a, attributing to various theories of the book in general. Um, yes. Sorry. This is when you meant to get to that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so there's, and 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 uh, Greg Beal gives kind of a list of possible answers. Um, and the first one he gives is so maybe it's a book of redemption, and I think it's probably okay to just start reading Beal's own words here and discuss it. Kind of. So some view the book as the be the Lamb's book of life, containing the names of all true believers written down before the foundation of the world. The book has writing inside and on the back because the names of the redeemed are too numerous to be contained only inside the book. So that's that's the first argument. What What's the problem with that argument? It, uh, it doesn't... It doesn't explain the horrors and woes that accompany the unsealings. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, that's the to big me. one, is it doesn't seem to fit the context. <laughs> it kind of fails the context of it. It's, it's that it's, it's it, uh, you know, he cites a few names of people who, uh, Niles and, and uh, is, is kind of the name he, he cites that mostly thinks this. But yeah the following chapters have a lot of judgment to that and that's kind of where i we kind of highlighted the there is they're fusing two visions uh daniel seems to have more of a positive vision isaiah seems to have a more judgment vision you've also got the same mixture i think in, in ezekiel a little bit of, of judgment and blessing because that's what's going to follow from ezekiel but but oh. yeah he needs to scroll and taste sweet but <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, um, but yeah, but then he sees nothing but judgment. <laughs> yeah, and and then and then of course he points out, they, uh, uh, Greg Beal points out, and of course the 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 three passages that seem to be feeding into this: Daniel seven, Daniel twelve, Ezekiel two and three have to do principally with events of judgment, which are then followed by the salvation of God's people. Um, this evidence, this, this emphasis of the book in Revelation 5 is also apparent from the fact that the parallel little book in chapter 10 mainly contains events of judgment, which are followed by a narration of events of salvation. And we should be clear that especially in the major prophets, the well, maybe not especially, but, okay. We should be clear that the Jewish expectation is that the, is that the coming judgment would be their deliverance and yeah. their salvation. Yeah. That, that 
judgment would come on their enemies, yeah. they would be vindicated and escape. Yeah. yeah. And that that is so strong that in places like Amos, he has to say, I don't think you understand. <laughs> you're doing the things that bring judgment. Mm-hmm. And if you're still doing the things that bring judgment, when the judgment comes, then the day of the Lord is not going to be good for you. It's yeah. going to be darkness rather than light. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's even par- the heart of the problem that John the Baptist has when he comes to Jesus and says, are you him or should we wait for another? It's because remember right. he was predicting someone who would baptize in spirit and fire yes. blessing and judgment. Yes. And, and he saw a lot of blessing, not a lot of judgment. And that's part of what Jesus's response is. He says, well, Hey, let's just be, be, look at the fact that blessing is happening. The blinders receive their sight that they, and, and, and on and on. And so then, and it's also part of the reason why Jesus clarifies, I came not to judge the world and not to condemn the world, but in order to save it, there is a clear, a separation of his two roles. It's not that Jesus isn't going to judge the world, but he's saving that for later. Well, and when John sends messengers to Jesus asking, are you the Christ or do we wait for another? John is in prison. And yeah. what does Jesus say? Tell him what you've seen. Mm. The blind see. The deaf yeah. hear. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And what does he leave out? And every captive is set free. Yeah, yeah. Because John is in prison. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the, the fire and setting captives free from prison are the same thing in this conception of things, right? You bring the judgment, you bring down the kingdoms of this earth, and you, and you release the captives. These are hand in hand. Um, and, and, and so Jesus is, Jesus is saying in his own enig- enigmatic way, that that part isn't here yet. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was I was looking for a reference really quick, and I wasn't quick enough. Oh, no. Um, oh, fine. I left you hanging. Um, no, but the, but I was basically to, to say, and this judgment and salvation theme is continuing the new covenant, like in Second Thessalonians. Um, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. This is verse five, five through uh, seven, uh, five through eight ish uh, for which you are suffering since indeed God considers it just to repay, repay with affliction, those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because of our testimony because our testimony to you was believed. So that's that same connection of judgment to blessing. It is good for him to repay those who afflict you with affliction, as well as to bring comfort to you who are afflicted. And part of that comfort 
is the condemnation of our enemies. Which is why it's so funny to me. This is one thing. Man, we've 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 bagged on NT right before. And I'm gonna keep doing that right now. Um NT right. I remember he was like he, he made this absolutely stupid statement once where he was like, I don't get why Americans are so obsessed with with heaven and hell. It's like they they it's not enough that they live a a a, a uh comfortable existence in this life. They want to make sure that their enemies are good and punished in the next. Well, dude, it's in the Bible. Bro, bro, like it's it's in the Bible. For one thing, that's an awfully ungenerous take on American Christianity. Like and it's easy for you to say you you in your highfalutin house of lords. Jeez, that guy. Frickin' frickin' gets a throne and he has the guts to call us uh uh comfortable. And then but but then of course like it's just like but this is what the Bible says, dude. We want to know because we want to know how what the Bible says. That's why we ask those questions. And maybe we shouldn't have asked you because you're an arrogant turd. But uh, honestly, his arrogance and on issues like in, inerrancy and heaven and hell just make me make me be like, okay, maybe he wrote some good stuff on the resurrection. Other people have written good stuff on the resurrection. Let's bypass the arrogant turd and go look at the other people who aren't arrogant turds. Um, and that's the most times I've said the word, er, the phrase "arrogant turd" in uh, in in a short amount of time, but but it, it is it's part of it. Is is this this is part of the messianic expectation, redemption through a, through judgment, and um, and so the separation of the two is really the problem there. Um, the the second thing that people think this scroll is is uh, there have been some who see it as the Old Testament. And so Christ alone is able to unlock or open the true meaning of the Old Testament, since his prophecies have found fulfillment in him. Um, I found this in Victorinus, the 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 fourth century uh, commentary on Revelation. Same one where we saw the four living creatures being the four gospels. Um what what do you think the problem with that interpretation is? That um, that well that again it's it's the same problem of not fitting the context. It does the does the the unveiling so okay, there's a sense in which you could bend over backwards to say that the the unveiling of Jesus causes the woes to to be poured out but really it's like that does does properly understanding the old testament automatically result in judgment and woe and 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 so so that's i mean that's the problem is again like look what happens when this book is opened it it has something to do with what the book is about <laughs> yeah yeah it it once again fails the um it fails the grounds of uh context 
<laughs> um, but also just kind of generally feels like a stretch when looking back to, again, the chapters that the scroll comes out of Daniel seven, Daniel 12 and Ezekiel two and three. It it's, doesn't seem to be that. And plus there's, uh, it's kind of more even comes down to it. Like, it fits a better there's a better way to interpret it than than this and it, it's just it's again coming back to i think if you've seen four gospels it makes sense to see a scroll being the old testament um but again they both seem like stretches and then of course the third interpretation our friends the dispensationalist camp would say well of course this is the events of the future Great Tribulation. It's a, The book is containing the retributive events of yet future tribulation leading up to the second coming of Christ, the consummate salvation of the saints, and the final judgment. There it is. Like, that's the case, right? Uh, what's the problem with that? I would say that does a better job of fitting the context that we're concerned yes. with. Yes. Yes. Um, the it doesn't necessarily explain why everyone in heaven wants it to be opened so badly. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is the righteous expectation of judgment that that. As we're conformed mm. to God's image, we will grow to love the things He loves and hate the things He hates, and that, and that there might be a, a, a and there's the how long, O Lord, and there's the righteous expectation of judgment. But if that's all it is, then then those parts of this book and the rejoicing, um, that, uh the rejoicing that he was found worthy um that doesn't really fit yeah it kind of has to be both and by the way when you have it mixing metaphors from three places one of which um it's it's salvation, one of which it's judgment, and one of which it tastes sweet but brings judgment, then maybe the most natural reading is it's both. It's yeah. everything. It's all of the yeah. above. Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair to the Great Tribulation interpretation, they do see there is a both. There is, there sure. is Their it's judgment both. is our salvation. For, for me, I think the biggest problem is it get, once again goes back to the what's uh, about to take place. You know, this is stuff that was about to take place. Yes, there is a end 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 aspect to Revelation, but as we've been talking about um, again and again, there's this we we take the idealistic via partial preterist understanding of this book um, um, by 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 seeing the references within the scroll we see contemporary references at the time of the writing um things that the readers of the first scroll would have been able to look out their door 
and say, oh yeah, it's that. Um, that it's, it's, it's not just something great in the future, some great tribulation in the future. This is a now present reality. And that's kind of a, I think that's a big knock against that. Um, and then the next one is a book containing God's plan of judgment and redemption. Well, clearly we've been kind of talking in that direction. You can see that this is, this is pretty much, this is the way we take it for the most part, that this is the whole plan of God for judgment, salvation, for, um, you see it all over the hymns that are placed within the opening context that this is speaking about the God who creates, redeems, and, uh, and judges. You know, he judges and redeems, and, and, and as we've been saying, this points out the, the general theme we get both from the scrolls in the background, and also just, this is the book of Revelation. That, that there is an intermixing of judgment and blessing, and redemption, condemnation. Um, the last one that he brings up, I think is really interesting, but I don't see as, and, I, and, and I'm going to put my cards on the table right away and say I don't see as contradicting the last the book of judgment and redemption but I think maybe clarifying how contextually this is a, a book of judgment and redemption which is the book as a testament or a covenantal promise of inheritance this one I, I found very interesting because basically pointing to you've got the concept of of um that this is it names an inheritance to be received um by the one to whom it is given so there's this gets to the seal uh the seal of authority that it's sealed for the one who is worthy to receive the testimony the testament um and also um yeah, I guess that uh, kind of the and broader it, covenantal context. And it makes sense. It makes sense why there is weeping when no one is found worthy. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like when there's a will reading and there is no heir. It would be, it would yeah. be like, it would be like, ah, this plan fell through. There's no one to receive this planned abundance, this planned. There, there's, there's no one to receive this inheritance yeah. that was planned out, and the government's going to get half of it. Okay, yeah. so that might be overreading it, but, but, uh, <laughs> but there's no one, there's no heir to take. Yeah. So, th so then that makes sense of the the mourning when there when there's no yeah. one found. Yeah. Is, is it, it fits it fits that sort of idea. What? Yeah, what I found really interesting about this connection too that that Beale brings out is he says this also gets at the apocalypse theme or the revelation theme of paradise lost and regained that you mm -hmm. see throughout. Like like he gives a um, I'm I'm going to just really quickly skim through some of the verses he brings up for this uh, Revelation two verse seven. Um. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Chapter 3, verse 12. 
Um, once again, uh, to the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. And then you skip back all the way to, to the end, which, you know, book ending is an important thing to always look out, look for. Um, if something bookends the book, then it must be an important theme to be found therein then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of god and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city and on either side of the river the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of god and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more and they will and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So God promised to Adam, and I think this is an important, oh, such a pivotal thing. In fact, I was like, when I read this, I was like, I this is why I, I, I immediately after reading this, uh, messaged Jeff and said, uh, we're going to need a whole episode for this book. <laughs> <laughs> for for the book alone, uh, we're gonna need a whole episode for this. Um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna read Beale's words because they're so good. God promised to Adam that he would reign over the earth. Although Adam forfeited this promise, Christ, the last Adam, was to inherit it. A human person had to open the book. Because the promise was made to humanity. And we're going to talk about that next week when we get into this heaven, earth, under earth thing. But no person was found worthy to open it because all are sinners and stand, upon, stand under the judgment contained in the book. Nevertheless, Christ was found worthy because he suffered the final judgment as an innocent, sacrificial victim on behalf of his people whom he represented and consequently redeemed. No doubt he was also considered worthy because he overcame the final judgment imposed on him by redeeming a people and by being raised from death. Therefore, Christ was able to inherit the promises of the book, i.e. to open the book and do all those and do all those who are represented as do, sorry, as do all those who are represented by him. 510 shows that they also participate in his kingdom and priesthood. But he points out one thing. He says, however, this legal picture breaks down in part because Jesus is both executor and heir of the promise. But this is not a great difficulty since the book of Hebrews already portrays Christ as both priest and sacrifice. And Revelation itself presents him as Lord and temple at the same time. So once again, mixing of metaphors is not a problem. Don't overthink it. Is he the heir? Yes. Is he the executor? Yes. Is he ultimately the one who holds the book in his hand in the first place? Yes. <laughs> and, and we're going to spend more time on these, even these first two verses when we come back to it again next week. Um, but, but I thought this, this book is so important to understand that this is as a covenantal book it, it, and, and, um, and this, as you said, written on the front and the back, is this double aspect of the testament, and this fulfillment of 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 the, all of that God has to give, uh, you know, 
thoroughly written within and on the back. Um, and this also gets into why it is so important that it be opened. The promise of mankind to rule, reign, and inherit the earth is at risk. So who has the authority? Who can do it? Why the God-man? <laughs> Why the God-man? Because someone needed to be worthy enough to open the scroll. And we're going to talk more about that again next week. Um, before we close out, do you have any last words to talk about um, the book, the scroll, the... Uh, yeah. Um, well, we, yeah, I mean, we, we can point out that, um, that there is, um, one more, uh, one more place that we've referenced several times where, where the book is mentioned, and that's Daniel 7. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We never actually looked at it. We mentioned it. Never actually looked at it. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, so, uh, seven, starting in verse nine, while I was watching, thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His attire was white like snow. His, the hair of his head was like lamb's wool. The throne was ablaze with fire, and its wheels were all aflame. Sounding familiar? Yeah, this mm -hmm. is all. And this is all. These are all images we've seen tweaked. Mm -hmm. Um a river of fire was streaming forth uh, and proceeding from his presence. Uh, many thousands were ministering to him and many tens of thousands served him. The court convened and the books were opened. There it is. And then, then the ancient of days was before him to the ancient of days is given uh, rule, honor, and sovereignty. All people's nations and languages serve him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. Mm. So, uh, so you've got a, um, you've got a, a very similar sort of flow to these two verses in in some ways as. Uh, um in uh and Daniel 7 as well. So um oh and and sorry just because one of our other passages uh mentioned the uh time times and a half time. Oh yeah, um, yeah. in Daniel it's as for the rest of the beasts uh their rule had already been removed though they were permitted to go on for a time and a season. Um, oh. So, uh, or their, their, sorry, their life was permitted to, their life, their life was granted for a time and a season. Where are you um, seeing this? Uh, sorry, this is uh, Daniel 7, 12. 7, 12. Oh, I see it. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, anyway, it's, uh, 
Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're we're seeing I, again. We've we we brought in the other places because we've been in Daniel a lot, um, but we've talked about how, in many ways, this Book of Revelation is an extended exegesis of Daniel. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, which in many but, ways yeah. Daniel is an extended exegesis of certain passages of Ezekiel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. It's, it seems to be a through line going on, you know. Absolutely. And also Isaiah in places, yeah. 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 So um but but yeah, I I think uh uh the uh this is that the that what they what they all or what especially Daniel seven and Revelation five have in common is um, this this uh, reigning air. This reigning heir aspect to um, to Jesus that uh, um, that Jesus is being is being set up as um, uh, Jesus is being set up as this uh, uh, yeah as, as being given all authority. <laughs> um, and again, one more time, you can read that in the Gospels, specifically the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you can see that, but this is just giving you even more of a even more of a a bone-shaking reality of yeah. what this authority looks like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. That's where we uh we're we're, can, we're we're gonna trot along next week we're gonna come back to this and we're gonna fill out kind of like we really zoomed in on specifically what is the scroll next week we're gonna deal with the problem of the scroll really get dig it dig more into that um and as well as a first look at the identity of the one who is able to open the scroll and what the significance of titles given and then we're gonna move on to the right by which he gained the ability to open the scroll, not just his identity. And there's some ironic, again, some some uh, mixed metaphors that that provide an interesting effect. And um, and then of course, then we're off at that point. At that point, we're off. The scroll starts to open, and uh, 
the the judgment and the redemption the and start popping off and things start popping off. Uh yeah, and and then you know, next thing you know it, uh we are in Revelation twenty two and and in only ten years. So uh <laughs> So we're 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 gonna so at this point we'll say, you know what? Um we're not asking for seven of anything. Just five. That is five stars. Pop the scroll of the five stars on your uh favorite podcasting app and give us that rating. And wow. uh and you know what? It is both a blessing and a judgment. It is a judgment about those other sorry podcasts that are not five stars mm. and a blessing to us uh for <laughs> oh boy I, okay. i've made a terrible mistake <laughs> oh the reaching is uh, it's just in the, in the same sense that literally everything i suppose is in some sense both a blessing and a judgment so it's good. <laughs> oh but seriously thank you so much for uh for joining us uh if you wouldn't mind please click the like button if you're watching us on on video um if you're listening to us do rate us five stars follow subscribe all that stuff we appreciate it share it with your friends um share it with your dispy friend um he'll hate it at first but then eventually he'll grow to love us um you know, just like, uh, just give him time, time, just, you know, half a time, <laughs> which, you know, time, time and half a time kind of sounds like how fast I listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, if you really appreciate what we're doing and want to throw some filthy lucre, our direction, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover for $1 a month. You can uh, yell at us about our interpretation. Money is also a blessing and a judgment. You should throw some at us and see which one it is for us. <laughs> There's only one way to go. <laughs> uh, but you can join our secret Discord and yell at us about our interpretation or disagree with us or debate us. Give us the other side that we're not seeing or that you think we're not seeing or that you you think we could appreciate well, i don't know whatever um and and while you're in there you're also going to hang out with some of the coolest folk you'll ever meet and uh um <laughs> uh and, and and yes and, <laughs> and and of course if you join us week by week as patrick says in the chat you're going to find out what other songs are about sex <laughs> the secret part. oh boy was that this episode was that this episode? It's all running together even, at this I don't point. Think that, that was this episode. Great <laughs> <laughs> oh. callback to him, Patrick. <laughs> it's a callback, yeah. So whatever. Either way. Uh, <laughs> either way, you never want to miss an episode because you never know when you'll get some uh, tidbit like that. So <laughs> make sure that you uh, join us week by week. And uh, in the meantime, leave us a comment or send us an email. Um, unless, and, and this is actually an option. Send us an email, anarchistbiblesite.gmail.com, unless you want to send it on a scroll or in a codex. In which case, I'm not giving you my mailing address. 
So instead, send what you would have put on the scroll of the codex in an email and send it to yum yum scrolls at tasty.ca. Ah, 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 ah. Oh. <laughs> yum yum scrolls. <laughs> Oh boy. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's late. <laughs> Let's, uh, and so of course, one last thing. That's the most important thing. Make sure you join us again next week when we take anarchy to church here on the anarchist Bible study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. And yummy, yummy scrolls. <laughs>